This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, and Jared Mack, both on the podcast as well. Uh, we're recording this Tuesday afternoon. 3 p.m. Pacific time, about an hour after the conclusion of Oregon's official 2021 media day. It like football is officially for us is officially here, and it's pretty exciting. Matt, we're in the same room too. Yes, uh, I was doing the math on this. It's been a very long time since I've been in the same room doing a podcast with anybody, much less <laughs> such great guests and friends as we have in this room together today. Yeah, the listeners can't hear it, but we actually have an Alex Forsythe name tag. So yep. he is here in spirit. Alex Forsyth. <laughs> yeah. I, I retrieved that from Media Day and brought it back because have... it felt like a memento. <laughs> I have no idea why. Uh... Honestly, neither do I. <laughs> But we're, it's exciting the fact that we actually had in-person stuff, I think, speaking with Crystal Ball, speaking with the players that we spoke with, which was about 15 to 20 guys that we personally spoke with, uh, you kind of got the feeling of just a little bit of normalcy, and everyone was excited for that. Like Everything was on Zoom last year, um, yeah. and it, it's, it was harder to, to connect with the player or to connect, connect with the coach, and... You know, naturally, they probably didn't want to share as much information because they didn't know who was watching or who was taking the information. And so just getting face-to-face has been awesome. Uh, we learned a lot more about this football program. Um, I, I think, for me at least, the biggest takeaway from Media Day, from speaking with Cristobal, is he kind of hinted, hinted at this, I think, at Pac-12 Media Day. Um, but this, in his eyes, is going to be the most competitive fall camp he will have had at Oregon in his time here. So he's entering his fourth year as head coach, um, which is crazy to think about. And <laughs> it, it really is. It just actually. dawned on me that he's been here for five because he was offensive coordinator for his first year. Um, Crystal Ball has been at Oregon now for five years, and this is going to be the most competitive one. Not only – I mean, coaches say that all the time. Um, yeah, we probably have quotes from the last couple camps yeah. that are similar. But I think you can truly get the fact that he genuinely means it, and the players echo it just because of the talent acquisition that they've had the last three or four years. It's a night and day program from a talent perspective. Well, yeah, and I think that's the part that you get excited with talking to players, and I'm sure we'll share some of it in the podcast. Certainly some of it will be on the site later on, on story form. Is everyone's just really excited about the guys at their position. Like everybody I talked with was basically like, yeah, we could be the best at this position. This Our position group could be one of the best in the country. Yeah. Like a, almost everybody said that kind of thing. And I only talked to, I think, two or three position groups. It's not like everybody. But it, 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 that seems to be kind of the consensus in the sense you get from talking to people. And I, I, you said, Matt, I think that's because, um, in part, the way they've recruited. And you stack those classes over the top of each other for three or four year, five years now. And you see what it looks like on the roster. And again, I've said it before, and, I, and I'll just reiterate it. I think from top to bottom, this might be the most talented roster Oregon's had. On paper. On paper. Yeah. 
Now, we'll have a lot of stuff to prove whether or not that's the case, but like, I don't feel any different today and actually probably feel a little bit more optimism even with some of the things that Oregon's players and, and even what Mario said. I know Mario didn't say anything that like jumps off the page, but you could kind of sense the enthusiasm and optimism he has going into fall. So you're saying, not to cut, not to cut you off, Jared, but you're saying Oregon won the press conference today. Yes. I'm saying it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think Oregon secured a victory today. No, no, I mean... Right off, right off the jump, we had Mario just immediately talking about how each position group is incredibly demanding this year, and yep. how they're going to have a ton of competition, and and honestly, there are you know very few people's spots that are that are safe. Um, there's just going to be six, seven guys at each position group who are capable of starting and capable of playing meaningful snaps every single game. I think what stood out to me, um, speaking with the players about this, is. A lot of the, and I spoke primarily almost with all veteran guys. Yeah. Um, was they all openly on their own brought up the impact, the talent, and the potential for the younger guys to steal snaps or minutes, if you mm-hmm. will, away from them. Um, and one of the the players I spoke with said that like the 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 young guys. Are coming in and they they're confident. They know they were highly ranked, but that they're not like trotting around like, well, I'm the five star guy and and you are that low four star or that high three star and you know and I'm going to take your job type of a deal. I'm not going to have to work. Um, he said that Crystal Ball's ability to not only recruit talented guys on the football field, but then to find guys that are talented, but then also have the humbleness, the maturity to come in and realize, like, yeah, I'm probably the better recruit on paper coming in than you are, you know, pointing to the upperclassman who's starting, but I haven't gone through the rigors of a college football season before, and I need to figure that out before I can reach my full potential. the, The player was telling me just how cohesive the upperclassmen and the underclassmen are this year, which he said felt a little bit different than in previous years. Maybe the best example, or at least the one that struck me the hardest, was talking with the three true freshman quarterbacks. And all of them, to a person, were like, Anthony Brown has been awesome to deal with. Yeah. He's, t- he's helped us a lot. Ty Thompson was, was, took the time to talk a little bit about uh, when they're on the field, how he pulls the players aside to like kind of almost be a second coach to point out some things that need to be changed. Like He's taking on like a leadership perspective, which... Maybe runs counter to what people expect of a quarterback competition, mm-hmm. right? You kind of think like these guys are going to be buttonheads, their yeah. egos are big, and even like and even down to we talked about the upperclassmen, young younger guys, but like even the three of the true freshmen that are competing for these jobs, like genuinely seem to like each other. Yeah, and they all I, I even joked I think it was with Robbie Ashford towards the end of like all you guys seem to like each other a lot. Maybe you guys are lying about it. And he was like, oh no no no, like everyone really really gets along. Like and and I think that's important. And I think again the culture. I think it's just a really good example of what the culture is in place right now, where you have on paper a situation which could be, I think Thompson used the word toxic in terms of like you could have a bunch of egos, guys not working together, working against each other to try to get the job. That's not been the case. And I think that to me was the thing that was the the big storyline for me today of just like it seems like everybody wants and has the same goals and, and is willing to work together towards them. Yeah, I'd like to echo that statement from Eric. I talked to Dante Thorne and Troy Franklin, the talented freshman duo, and they they both agree. They, you know, they get they get along just fine. Uh, they're actually roommates, and they have the same exact goals in mind. They they both learn from upperclassmen. They both have just tremendous things to say about Johnny Johnson and the type of person he is and how hardworking he is. 
Um, but yeah, I think each and every one of these freshmen have somewhat of a mentor on their position group. And right, that stood out. They all come in and they all have the same goals and they all want to get to the same level. And although they're all pe- competing against each other, clearly, I think they all don't mind it. I think they come in and, you know, the, I think either Johnny Johnson or Verone McKinley today mentioned, you know, the iron sharpens iron metaphor. And, but I think that's exactly what's happening in this program right now. I think to a T or just right down the line, or every guy we spoke with, they all basically said some kind of correlation of the culture on this year's team going into fall camp is significantly better than it was the previous year. And then, and they all would say it wasn't like there was a cancerous vibe within the program. Yeah, last um, year was weird, though. Yeah, but it was just... And that's like the, the way to describe it is multiple guys said it was just... There was no brotherhood. There was no connection because just like all three of us from a work perspective, we never met in person because of COVID. Yep. A lot of people worked from home or still are working from home. Kids, you know, remote learning. The, the team couldn't do their summer off season programs where they gather and, and they go to the beach for the day. And, and then they, they have a speaker that comes in and speaks to the team um, or they, they go paintballing like they, yeah, like they traditionally right. do. Top golf or whatever. Yeah, like all these fun things. And that's on top of just the normal stuff of training in your weight room groups and stuff like that. George Moore told me it was, it was everything was individualized. Everything was on Zoom unless you had to physically be there present for it. Like he said, weightlifting. You show up, you get your COVID test, you go stand off to the side by yourself, you go into the gym, everyone's socially distanced. There's no one around each other. You really can't communicate with one another. You wait for your turn to get on, on the machine or whatever you're doing. You finish your workout, you get your food, and you go back home. And you stay in your room. He's like, it was like living in a hotel room on, on a way trip, but for the entire year. And they, I think every guy spoke about how important it is to have that bond. That Chris Ball always throws out the word brotherhood. Yeah. With with Everybody this team, the word yeah, today. and and that's I think you can clearly see. I think that's the probably the theme that kind of burst out of media days of talking with everybody and not you know you, you don't bring up you don't ask the same question and yet the same answer per player come comes out you know just about how tight knit this group is and you know I think it was Verone McKinley that said if you want to win you have to have a tight group. You yeah. have to have mm-hmm. a team that's connected, and they feel that that's where they are this year. Well, yeah, one of the things Dante Manning said, and again, I, I only spoke to people that are, I think, 19 and younger, like both all true freshmen, summer 21, summer 20, sorry, summer 2020 class, summer 2021. Um, and what, what, what Dante was saying was that one of the things that excited him most about the team is everyone just had the same goals. Yeah. Not that last mm-hmm. year's team didn't have the same goals, but I think it was hard to maybe get together to like talk about those things, establish that, to have... All the things you're talking about before. Another example, uh, Jay Butterfield. I was ta- I was asking just like, what was it like, you know, coming onto campus? He said, I'm kind of a shy person. It was really hard for me to build friendships because of some of the COVID protocols. Of like, I can't really be close to people that like. He's not naturally someone who maybe you know draws everybody in with his personality. So it was kind of hard for him to kind of get to know people. And he says that's really improved right. and changed. Everyone's opened up now. Now that things have shifted a little bit there, but like I think on the person-to-person level, maybe we overlook that. I'm sure we do in terms of analyzing the team and its you know successes on Saturdays. A lot of these people were I think dealing with the challenges of just not getting to know each other, and and, and that's hard on a football team, like Farone said. I think 
everyone to a point said Anthony Brown. I mean, this isn't breaking news, but everyone to a point said Anthony Brown's the guy, right? Like, uh, I mean, Cristobal confirmed yeah. it, too. And, and, and I'll say, uh, the story of the Jay Butterfield said something to the effect of, like, we're all here competing to be his backup and be ready when he has his helmet come off. Like, something like that. And that's not to say that they all have the same kind of, like... They want to play. They want to yeah. play, but I think there's a pretty realistic understanding here, or at least they have a pretty uh, pragmatic perspective, I guess on the reality that Brown's going to be the day one guy. I think that's pretty clear. More clear than I think we even maybe thought based on what Mario would say. Right. And I think everything I spoke with with older players, I don't know if it was the same case for you guys with Younger, was he's done a really good job of running the player-run practices this summer. Um, A lot of the older players talked about just his organizational skills of making sure everyone's on time, making sure everyone's doing this, they're doing that. George Moore said he took total command of the offense and the team entirely, but more so, more even more so with the offensive unit of just making sure everyone knew what they were doing. He mentioned how he'd pull the younger quarterbacks off to the side mm-hmm. when another one is doing something and coach them at the same time while the younger one's running the offense or whatnot. So it sounds like, I mean, we already knew Anthony Brown was the number one guy, but it, it really sounds like everyone on the team kind of like knows he's the guy yeah no i'd agree 100 percent. i mean you saw even the 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 coaching aspect of it at saturday night live you know he would go through and you know see what guys he likes or just try to help yeah, anybody any quarterback out there and you know he's clearly an unselfish person someone who just wants to or excuse me has a natural leadership value and you know it's pretty evident you know both of the wide receivers dante thorne and troy franklin they had you know, high things to say about Anthony Brown and just not only in his play, but just his natural leadership, as Matt was just saying. Well, okay, just to frame this a little bit, do we now, because we've talked in the offseason a lot about how it felt like there was like a real competition here. Like, are we coming to the terms that like we expect Brown to be quarterback number one on day one and then also when the season concludes? Or are are we still kind of thinking one of these younger guys could take it over eventually? I don't know. I think the silence speaks the volumes right I there. I kind of feel like it's his job, and unless he really performs poorly, it's going to be his job the duration. That, I mean, that's how I feel. I, I've, I feel like as long as Oregon's... He doesn't have to play well, I don't think. As long as Oregon's no. winning. Yeah, I don't... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah like, the winning is the correlation. Mm-hmm. Like, as long as Oregon's winning football games, it's... He's the guy. Once... Oregon loses the ability to reach a couple of their goals, meaning win the North. Um, and if you can't win the North, you can't win Pac-12. Um, I, I guess maybe you can, as Oregon proved in, in 2020. <laughs> wow. <laughs> good, um, good retort to your own comment. Very well done. <laughs> um, but I, I think as long as like your goals are still in reach, right. he's probably your guy. Once that becomes no longer the case... Very similar to what happened in, in 2016, and not that I don't think... I don't expect that to happen. I don't think th- that type of a year to happen, but we saw that. Like, once Oregon kind of... It was like, okay, we're not going to win the North, and we're not going to then get to the Pac-12 championship game. To go to Prukop, sorry, you're no longer starting quarterback. Justin Herbert, here you go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's almost like that kind of expectation, like... And maybe not even it might not even be enough then. Like if if they finish eight and four, I could still see Anthony Brown being the starting quarterback. It'd have to really come off the rails. I know. I was just gonna say it. Like, yeah. It feels like if the team is as good as everyone seems to think they are, that Brown's just gonna be the guy all year. Yeah. 
But it's, I feel more confident of that than I definitely did during the offseason. Well, if they, I mean, if they, if they're the team that they think they are, they're going probably to the playoff. Like, that was the. I mean, Deont- from the quotes, absolutely. Dante Manning straight up told me they were winning the Natty this year, and I said, "Now we're going to win the Natty." I said, "Now," and he said, "Yeah," and I was like, "Okay, cool." That's excited to hear people. I mean, I, I mean, do I think that's pretty optimistic? Do I like? Do I? Yeah, I think he's like that's something I'll say. I think Dante Manning's a very optimistic person. Um, but I love the fact that, are, that that's how they're thinking right now. I mean, I think that's how you should be thinking at a program like this that every year is to win the championship, and and you know, and then deal with what happens if that's not the case. But hey, like the, those kind of things being said, I think those are significant during camp because you can very easily be on the opposite side where it's, gosh, I hope we can win a couple games. Yeah, oh, 100%. But it's clear that this team knows the talent they have. Yeah, yeah I think that's it out too. And I mean, I think Cristobal is also going to hammer that home that, like, hey, if you're a veteran player, it doesn't mean, you know, and, and you, you're a two-year starter, it doesn't mean you can just, you know, coast during summer. Mm-hmm. And show up in fall camp and not have to worry about fighting for your job. Like he mentioned, the young guys are going to get their chance and, and they're going to play and they're, they'll have their opportunity. And I took that as like, we're confident in our veteran guys, but we're also letting you guys all know just because you're a veteran doesn't mean you're an automatic player and doesn't mean you automatically are going to see the playing time. The young guys, there might be one or two young guys that come up and snatch starter snaps snatch a key backup role away and take starting stat from guys that we don't even think are susceptible to it right yeah. exactly right. so I, I think that's probably in play here um shifting gears just a little bit we did get some feedback on injuries and i think for the most part we're almost looking at a program that's all the way back yeah i was surprised a little bit with some of that because usually this time of year going into fall you've got guys with residual injuries from the off season or from spring or you know and in the case of sean dollars somebody who will not be able to start the camp um at least full participant which by the way gosh I, if he's able to be a participant at all during camp that's better than i think we expected even last week when mario spoke to media last but yeah, his perspective was basically outside of dollars. Trey Benson, um, Cam McCormick, and Jalen Smith, everyone mm-hmm. is going to be a day one partic- full participant when fall practice starts on Friday, which, by the way, we should say, I don't even think we've said that on the podcast yet. Practice. First, yeah, first day yeah. practice, Friday. Uh, there you go. There's that information. I think that we, we kind of heard this was the case for a while, but we did, the school hadn't announced it until today. So, But, um, but yeah, so th- those guys are the players that are, are potentially the four I mentioned a second now, ago. Go ahead. Was there any bit of caution? Like I heard Probably. him, I heard him say, like, yeah, all these guys are are, are good to go, and da, 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 da. but I'm fully expecting us to show up day one, yep, day two, day three, mm-hmm. and the list of guys that are on the rehab group that don't go. Through oh, it's going to be more than four. Yeah, it's going to be like eight or nine. It always is. It, well, and then and then the one that's just like kind of interesting is the Cam McCormick one because I think. I would have been just as prepared to write a story that he'd medically retired today as I was to write a story about how he's still working towards playing. And Cristobal kind of acknowledged. Like, I, 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 everyone, I appreciated his answer. He's like, I understand everyone you know, wants to know about it and probably is sick and tired of it, but he's progressing. Like, yeah. I, I've got a paraphrasing there. Oh, but, I can read it. I got it here. Everyone always asks about Cam McCormick. He's done great. We see him progressing really well. I just, I'm just really proud of that guy. I know we've talked about this for a couple of years and it hasn't worked out, but there's a lot of momentum there and a lot of positive ground being made towards returning to play. So we'll see. I mean, this is year three where he's, or is it year four? This is his fourth year where uh, he's entered. I think it's year four, yeah. 
Well, I mean, it's kind of weird how year three where he's entering the season, but year four being potentially injured. not playing. Yeah, because yeah, he missed all of. Yeah, that's right. He missed all of eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if he comes back. Talented guy in a position group that I think could use some veteran leadership, to be honest. But I don't, I don't know. I'm still going to be. I'm kind of in the. I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing with with Cam. Yeah, I hope it works at least being a contributor. 100%. Right. I hope we see him. I'd love to see him on the field. I, I was really excited last fall for I think it was the UCLA game when he dressed and, and we thought he was going to play. I thought that was really exciting, but it just it never worked out. He didn't play at all last season. Being a contributor is going to be hard in that group, though. I agree. And we had. Crystal Ball mentioned that Patrick Herbert gained 25 pounds of muscle. So yeah. well, and then he be, also mentioned the other freshmen. The other freshmen were to 250s in the 260s. That's Maliki Matavajo and then uh, Terrence Ferguson. Good job on Matavajo. I, I appreciate that. it. So much yeah, better than your Javon's Johnson oh. <laughs> the other day. We, we don't have to talk about that. Uh, then he mentioned uh, DJ Johnson. His the moon weight. Yeah, yeah in, the two, in the that 270s in moon But that's moon weight. So... He might be a little bit more than that, but uh, that's just kind of his frame. We should note we wore it well last year. We don't. We have rosters without weights, and a lot of people on Duck Territory asking like why there aren't weights. We don't know. Um, I'm gonna guess Friday when we get the full rosters, we'll have weights. Yeah, the team hasn't fully finished doing their. They're all here, Um, but the way I was explained was that uh, guys are still. Going through the onboard process, so sure, like yeah, yeah. they're getting their weight, their weight done, their body mass done, and that that all takes time. It's not like mm-hmm. you can rotate 120 guys through, you know the the, I guess the training staff and give the full body you know workup that they do because it's a lot different now in football than it was 40 years ago. You know they they have heart rate monitors. You know they they've got um, GPS monitors for how far they're tracking. They they have. Each player specifically has like a nutrition plan that's programmed for them to have after every meal or after every workout. So, you know, it's literally not just, well, how hard is it to step on a scale and, and write a number down and go next? Like each player is probably 15 or 20, 30 minutes long uh, of, a, of a checkup and you times that by 120 players or so. That's going to add up. So I was told weights aren't listed because about half the team has finished that. The other half hasn't, um, and they will have that hopefully done by the end of um, fall camp or by the end of this week, and hopefully we'll get updates there. Where I know a lot of people kind of obsess over that. We usually get rosters handed to us day one of fall camp, so mm-hmm. that's, it feels that's, like almost daily. Well, we, well, I mean, we usually get the first one oh, yeah. in our hands day one. That's that's usually the updated one. So I'm targeting Friday as a day when we have that. And when we do, we'll post a story looking at the changes to the heights and weights. Because I know everybody does love seeing the weight gains, weight losses, and all that. Oh, yeah. Let's end the show um, with just kind of our overwhelming themes of what we took away from this. We'll start with you, Eric. <sighs> I get Put you on the spot. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, my overwhelming thing, I told, I told the guys beforehand that I was just going to think of something on the fly, so here's me buying time so that I can think of something on the fly. No, I, I mean, I really, I, I really think the thing that stood out to me the most um, was, was just the three quarterbacks that I spoke to. Um, and again, I'm going to have I, in-depth interviews. I spoke with each for 10 to 12 minutes. We'll have a lot of content on the site in the next couple of days about those interviews. But I just think... Look, you go in. Oh, here's actually here's a note that's not like the biggest thing I took away. Uh, Robbie Ashford did not is not done playing baseball. Really? Oh, he's not. No, the only reason he didn't finish the season was because two of his roommates got COVID back to back, and so he was in the COVID protocol for the last month and a half of the season. He says, or month of the season, and he got that's back. Interesting. 
the day the day he was available was their last game, and he hadn't practiced in however long. And so he's going to continue playing baseball. So there's a little note on Robbie Ashford. Yeah, that's for the not, baseball. I, for the, I, 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 I just dawned on me that I hadn't told you guys that. So now I'm telling the podcast listeners as well. <laughs> um, so that'll be published right. No, but I mean, I think the the thing that just stood out to me was it was again like you could very easily see three kids with this high of recruiting rankings as as Robbie Ashford, as Ty Thompson, and as Jay Butterfield. High school, you know, as talented as these kids were as high school athletes, as as high and you know grandiose as their goals as quarterbacks at this level. You could see them being me first players as being ego, you know, egomaniacs as you know whatever you want to say that would be negative. And I just get a sense, and again, you know, actions say more than than words, and we have to see over the course of a season if this is actually accurate. But every single one of them said the same thing, which is like, no, we, we those are my guys. I really like those guys. Those are my good friends. I respect them as athletes. They both. Or all of them, I actually just raved about the other players as quarterbacks and what they brought to the table. And I'll have some good kind of analysis of kind of what each of the quarterbacks, how they see the other one. But um, I, I just was really encouraged about, hey, there's this potential for this room to be kind of a, a mess because you have these teenagers that really all want to be a star quarterback. And this could go south. But I was just impressed with the character, I think, of all three of those guys. And whichever one ends up being the long-term guy, and, and maybe maybe all of them stick around for a while and you take turns and if, you know one of them goes pro and and the other one gets an opportunity afterwards, I just think you're going to have someone leading this program that's that's a really high-character player as well as a good, a really good quarterback, too. Yeah, I mean, um, everybody I spoke to today, they were also all freshmen, but they all had their own high characters. And, you know, I thought that was a, a, a big trend with this Oregon program is everybody who's in it is, is a high-character person. But I would say the, the biggest takeaway I had is uh, just everybody's answers towards how talented the team is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I kind of asked an open-ended question of you know from the last you know, the 2021 class or the 2020 class. You know, who's someone who's going to excite people or maybe come out of the blue? And from the from the four individuals that I interviewed today, they all had a different answer. And so I thought that was really interesting because I thought it would just be you know a Noah Sewell or a Justin Flo or something like that where everybody had the same one, but we got. A, a, a different perspective on basically everyone um, and so yeah this team this team I, w- I would imagine knows how talented they are and they, they act on it and this training camp is going to be a huge tell on where they're going to be and how, how talented or how much that talent actually matters to them I think for me it's two part one kind of like what Jared said the, the depth and talent of this team um and the impact that they have a full offseason mm-hmm. of a spring football, a spring game, a, a true full run through the fourth quarter program, which is a training program if you're unfamiliar with that, um, a true offseason of summer workouts that are player run um, and going over things. Um, guys talked about how this year they had you know, the ability to sit down with the coaches in person and go over film and get instant feedback instead of doing it on on Zoom. And a quote that really stood out, and I'm paraphrasing it here because I don't have the transcription done, but Mario Cristobal basically said, like, year two of the Joe Moorhead offense will be significantly different because Mm -hmm. he said Moorhead was cut short last year because of what he could do because of COVID and all the restrictions that came with it and the lack of a training camp and the lack of spring football. And so you you take that into account, and it, it truly sounds like what we – I mean, I, I'll, I'll speak for myself, but I think you both would agree that 
we were pretty impressed with mm-hmm. um, the variety of, of plays that the offense had, and you know the I guess air quote trickery and you know the motions yeah. and the, all the window dressing it had, and yet you talk to the people inside the program and they feel like that wasn't even close to what a normal offense would look like under Joe Moorhead. So I, I'm really curious to see like what does a team with all five starters back along the offensive line, you've got two of your three primary starters back at receiver or all three receivers. Yeah. Back. They're all back. Oh, yeah. All, no all back gone. at receiver. You, you, you only lose your tight end and mm-hmm. your quarterback, but the guy that's probably going to be the starting quarterback throughout the entire year was in the system last year. And the tight end will be someone who's in the system last year too. Right. So like to see the jump that they could take knowing that last year we were pretty impressed and it put up decent numbers the first half or so of the year before Tyler Shuck lost his confidence really makes me like kind of really excited to see what this potential could be mm-hmm. for this unit. Yeah, Jay Butterfield said the exact thing you're talking about. He said, I think we've only, the fans have only seen a fraction of what this is going to look like. He's talking about the offense. And I agree. <laughs> I'm honestly just really excited to go out and much practice and see what this looks like, to, to be totally frank. that's And that's the next step here on the podcast. Um, we will be back probably after our... Uh, Friday practice. We don't really know a time yet, but the anticipation is we're going to get into practice and we're going to yeah. get to watch. And all three of us will be there at that practice. We'll have full recap on DuckTerritory.com. And you can re- be rest assured we'll have full coverage of it on here as well on the podcast. Uh, won't be n- nearly as in-depth. Um, so if you want even more in-depth coverage, I highly suggest you guys go subscribe to DuckTerritory.com. That's the easiest way to support this podcast and to keep it running on uh, the basis that it is and we're in that dog days of summer now where we're going to be doing coverage on duckterritory.com about something Oregon football every day multiple times a day um, fall camp is here uh, and before you know it we're going to be playing Fresno State um, week one of the 2021 football season from Austin Stadium so hopefully you guys mm-hmm. are here for the ride for that and you have been listening to the latest edition of the Austin Audible's podcast talk to you later folks Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.